before Big Ben's throw, before Santonio Holmes' catch, before Pittsburgh became Sixburg. There were doubts. There was a daunting schedule. There was a dominant defense. This is the season. 2008 Pittsburgh Steelers. Welcome Steelers Nation. I am Bryant McFadden, your host and cornerback on the 2008 Pittsburgh Steelers. On this podcast, I'll revisit our Super Bowl run from a decade ago with former teammates and coaches, delivering you behind-the-scenes insights and memories on the biggest plays, personalities from that memorable season. This is our prelude episode to get you caught up on the end of 2007. Off-season moves, training camp, the first 10 weeks of the regular season, I sat down in studio with a secondary mate of mine, Ike Taylor, to cover it all. This episode is a little bit longer than the rest, just in about an hour, because there was a lot to get caught up on. I hope you enjoy our conversation, and thanks for listening to The Season, 2008 Pittsburgh Steelers. We're coming up on the 10-year anniversary of the Pittsburgh Steelers' Super Bowl 43 victory against the Arizona Cardinals. And with that being said, I felt it was very, very important to have a key member of the team, not to mention key <laughs> member of the team, a quality leader on and off the football field. Appreciate this guy was in the secondary for 12 years, giving opposing wide receivers and opposing quarterbacks hell. I don't know about quarterbacks. Wide receivers. Wide receivers, giving them. You know my hands were suspect, Mac. They were suspects, but we know one thing about you. You always found a way to put your hands on the wide receivers, you especially you in the line of scrimmage. You agree with me and say it was suspect too, man. 12-year <laughs> year vet. Two-time Super Bowl champion coming from New Orleans, Louisiana, a raging Cajun. Yes. Outstanding player, outstanding individual. Ike Taylor is joining us here as we get this 2008 season preview started. A historical year, not just from the defensive side, of course, from the from the entire team. You know, we were able that year to bring the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, one of the prestigious organizations, in the NFL, their right. sixth Lombardi. Right. And with that being said, we're the only organization that currently has six. Right. So thank you for joining us here. This is going to be an outstanding, outstanding season preview, but I wanted to make sure we get a key member involved to kick things it. off. I appreciate that, Mac. You know, when you walk on that second floor in Pittsburgh, on the south side, man, you see them six Lombardis mm -hmm. uh, in 2018. You know, we contribute to two of them. Two of them. So, yeah. That says a lot, not only to that organization, but to the team we had, especially with this 10-year anniversary we're doing with you right now, that mm -hmm. I'm doing with you right now. Uh, we got memories for days. Oh, no and question. We talk for years. For years. But we ain't got that long of a time, so I'm just going to let you kick it off. But thanks for the invite. Yeah, yeah, no question. It's, it's an honor. It's an honor. Like I said, Steeler fans listening right now, this is going to be an outstanding event. We're getting ready to just, you know, go back in time, to say the least. And with that being said, before we talk about 2008 and how that's, how the season started for us, let's go back to Mike Tomlin's first season, which was yeah. 2007. Yeah. Remember, Bill Cower left after 2006. You know, we won in 2005, had a up-and-down year, missed the playoffs by one game in 2006. He decided to walk away, not knowing exactly which 
direction the team, the organization would go. Right. We ended up signing Mike Tomlin in 2007, playoff Which team. Which was a shock What's a lot of Old question. First year defensive coordinator. Correct. Yeah. From Minnesota, Minnesota yeah. by the way of Tampa, from the Buccaneers, before he signed on to be a D.C. there in Minnesota. And it kind of shocked everybody because we thought we would keep it in-house. Correct. Ken Winsenhart was a guy that interviewed. The, yeah, Russ Grimm. And went with an outsider. So that shocked a lot of Steeler fans. Of course, it shocked us as players. But going back in 2007, we were a playoff team, a two-point loss to the Jacksonville Jaguars at home. And right now, the Jacksonville Jaguars, you know, Pittsburgh Steelers, Jacksonville Jaguars, it's a very, very sticky subject because as of late, they've had our number. Even when we played, they they found a way to make one more play. In 2007, uh, two-point loss. It was a very, very heartbroken loss, and we felt we were better than that. Jacksonville ended up losing to the New England Patriots. But going back to 2007, when you look at some of the numbers, it was a down year for us as a team. We had six losses. We were 10-6. and That's not the standard in Pittsburgh. Defensively, though, we were third in rushing yards allowed. Wasn't bad. We were third in passing yards allowed. Wasn't bad. We were second in points allowed. Wasn't bad, but you know. It's it's that good balance you have to have, man. You got to have a good balance between the offense and the defense. Yeah. But usually in the NFL, that's not so. Either you're gonna have a real good offense and an okay defense, or a real good defense and an okay offense. It's hard to have a real good offense and defense mm-hmm. in the NFL with the same kind of talent level on both sides. But just reflecting back to like that 2000. And in seventh season, man, you know, we just felt like Jacksonville was Pittsburgh of the South. Yeah. You know, yeah. especially on defense. Mm-hmm. We had the same kind of mindset. Uh, we wanted to run the ball, we wanted to stop you from running, yeah. and we wanted to dominate on defense. Yeah, and you talked about offensively what we brought to the table, looking at some of the numbers from 2007. Uh, we were 22nd in passing yards, 3rd in rushing yards, and ninth in points uh, point scores. So, right. you know, they, they, were, they were not – uh, a, a pushover at all, but we found a way to trick it off, to say the least, in, the, in that playoff game. And for us, I don't know if you remember, like I said, listeners, that was Mike Tomlin's first year. Right. And do you remember that training camp? That Mike Tomlin's first training camp, listeners, it was ugly. Hey, man. How many days we had a full pass? It was like 20 straight days. Too many. It, it, <laughs> was, it, it, was, a, it was a lot of... We had a lot of veteran guys at the time. I think in between, was it your third? That was my, 2007 was my third year. That was your third year. Yeah. So that was my fifth year. Mm-hmm. So you had a lot of veteran guys. You had guys going into their prime and you had guys like yourself going into the starting roles and starting in the NFL. And you had a lot of champions. We already won a Super Bowl. You already won a Super Bowl. Yeah. So you're looking at Coach T and training camp like Coach T like, this is rough because you know Coach Coward, he was very lenient towards no question. his players, like especially training camp. If you, if you play well in the morning, your evening practices wasn't going to be that hard. That nah. was be short. That was going to nah. be hard. Yeah, but it was going to be short. But of course, Coach T first year as a coach, oh, I, I get it, but I don't get it. You got to put the hammer down. Yeah, you have to make a statement mm-hmm. as a coach. Yeah. But just looking at it from a player standpoint, it was rough. We were tired. We were beat up. And for me, going, like you said, that was my third year, your fifth year, uh, being a part of many training camps and being a part of a championship team, 
when Mike Tomlin took over by the second week of training camp, I was gone. I was shot. Do you remember that week, that day in P- P- Latrobe, Pennsylvania? Right. Of course, Steeler fans know where we hold our training camp at. It was raining. So, of course, in Latrobe, you don't have any indoor facility. Okay. So Mike Tomlin decided to transport us back to the city. Back to the To bird. practice in our indoor. We had like a 50-minute ride, which was in the evening practice, yep. back to Pittsburgh to practice and travel back to Latrobe so we can get a full day of work in. And it was tough, but we were tired. Well, we was tired. We were tired. We were, we, we were, by November, we were shot. The I mean, team was. At the other, at the end of the day, I understand what Coach T was doing, but as a player, you was just like we burnt it. out. We were burnt out. You Mentally burnt and physically. Out. You was burnt out, man. Mm-hmm. Especially, and I guess we'll talk about this later on in the show, when we played Jacksonville in the playoff game, mm-hmm. full pads the day before the game, two days before the game. Yes. Yes. Like, Yes. That was rough, man. So yeah. you can only imagine what we was going through through training camp. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, Mike T communicated with us after that happened, after that 2000 season, that he wanted to get familiar with the players right. and the personalities. But, right. you know, you live and you learn. Granted, that was a difficult year, basically how it ended. And then the off season leading into 2008, you know, when you look at our draft from the Steeler fan standpoint, names you will remember – First round, we took Rashard Mendenhall yes. with a 23rd pick in the first round. First first round running back pick since 1989 by the Steelers. Wow. Second round, Lyman Swede. He was a second round wide receiver from the University of Could Texas. Should have been. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a guy that had talent, oh. never reached the level of potential. 100%. Never, never. 100%. That, that really showed with Swede, no disrespect to Swede, but that really showed you had to be mentally Tough. No question. Stay and play in the league, man. I, I don't care how talented you are. Mm-hmm. If you ain't mentally tough, man, you're not going to stay in the league long. Cause it's, it's a locker room full of alphas. Yeah. Yeah. Especially in that locker room where you had so many, uh, dynamic personalities, Correct. humble personalities, but guys that knew how to work and Strong they loved personality. Yeah. Yeah, that was the second rounder. The third rounder was Bruce Davis from UCLA, a guy that never really found his way. Yeah, a lot of we used to, we used to call him tight pants. <laughs> Remember that we used to call Bruce Irvin tight pants. He was wearing that Euro cut way before, before it became him a and Will statement. Allen. Him and Will <laughs> Allen wore them tight pants before Euro became a fashion yes. Statement. In the fifth round, we had Dennis Dixon from Oregon, a guy yeah. that played you know uh from time to time more of a backup type of player. Ryan Mundy was in the sixth round and free agent wise, you know Pittsburgh as a as as an organization, never really been aggressive via free agency. We signed Justin Hartwig. Moel De Moore key. was a key player. The keys. But do you remember Moel D's nickname? What? The, the Creeper. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know what? And he embraced it, too. He embraced the he nickname embraced The Creeper. It, sound, it sounds weird saying, you know, a football player nickname is The Creeper. But it was just more like... Moel Day being nosy. Nosy. He was all the time. Very nosy. And he'll, he'll pop up on a conversation ASAP. Like he wouldn't be around it before you know it. He answering the question for the other person. Yeah. Like, well, what, where you come from? Stop doing that, Moel. <laughs> like we can have a conversation talking about something off the wall and you see eyes just come in the conversation. <laughs> like a photo bomb. Oh yeah, I heard about. Well, he stopped that. Yeah. So we named him the Creeper. The Creeper, yeah. And he embraced it, and he really lived up you know to what? the building. When he started scoring, he started going like this. Yeah, creeper. yeah, yeah. Manuel Demore. It was a key, key acquisition for us. 
throughout that offseason period. Kieran Fox from Jack, uh, from Kansas City. Right. Big time contributor, of course, on the special, special teams. Uh, huge uh, impact there. Byron Leftwich. Byron Leftwich probably. Little feet. How you be six four with size ten shoe? That's no, he was he wore size nine, right? So, I'm sorry, Max. Size nine shoe. <laughs> I don't know if y'all know about Byron Leftwich. He's six four, six five. He was size nine. Don't understand that. No, don't, don't understand it. Sense. But he was key for me. He was key because he played with Jacksonville, <laughs> mm-hmm. which we was talking about earlier, which one, which was one of our toughest opponents, yeah. not only in the playoffs but just during the regular season. In general, and he gave me all the keys. All I had to do was ask B. Love, yeah, because he was a scout team quarterback, and he and he was time. a great scout team quarterback for us. But for the games, it was I wouldn't say easy. It wasn't as hard because uh-huh. you already going against a starting quarterback, yep, with experience. Yes, yeah. So B. B. Love made my job a lot easier and smoother in games by him being that scout team quarterback. Yeah, he was a huge. Huge member. He was a big time member for our team, but a lot of his work went unseen. Correct. 100%. You know, to the 100%. fans and to the listeners, you don't know what he meant to us because like you said, I, the week of, he gave us the best ideal look. Best looks. That we could ask for. The best look you could have, man. You have yeah. a former starting quarterback who's actually <laughs> been a scout team quarterback. You're getting game reps at practice. Mm-hmm. And he's coming at you. He used to love to compete. He only do one speed, though. That ball, fastball. Fastball. He was the Aroldis Chapman <laughs> at the quarterback position. Only one speed. Yep. Triple digits. Of course, key losses, Alan Fanega, Big Red, Hall of Fame, future Hall of Favor. He biggest loss. Yeah. Red was the only offensive lineman. Big Red. I knew who can call a corner blitz from the opposite side. Side. Actually, I think that kind of that kind of spoiled being an offensive coordinator because Ray used to make all the checks. Mm-hmm. Smart. He used to make all the checks. Smart, extremely smart. He knew cover three, cover yes. four, who was coming as a linebacker, who wasn't coming as a linebacker. Like Ray just made yeah. everything smoother for a young quarterback at the time, yeah. like Big Ben. And also too, like I said, there's another nickname, Big Red. Every player on our team pretty much had a nickname. Correct. And they all embraced it. Be back. Yeah, yeah. IT, swag. Young Gunner. Young Gunner. <laughs> you know, 504. Ike had a lot of nicknames. A lot of nicknames. It depends on what day of the week it was for you. <laughs> Coming into 2008, we talked about the losses. The preseason for us, this was year two for Mike Tomlin. Correct. Now, knowing the team a lot better and vice versa for players, knowing the coaches and the head coach a lot better. Preseason record, we were three and one. You know, week one of preseason, we beat the Philadelphia Eagles at home. Right. Then we traveled, I think, to Toronto. Remember, we played yep. Toronto. Yep. I mean, Buffalo in it's Toronto. Toronto. Yep. We lost to Buffalo. We beat the Vikings, uh, and we beat the Carolina Panthers. And for us, we felt like we were a playoff caliber team. We felt like we were one of the best teams, not just in our division, but in the National Football League. Correct. And I remember before the preseason started, of course, you know, now – the release of the upcoming schedule is a big, big deal. Right. Big, big deal. Right. And for us, when they released the schedule, fans, listeners, watchers, we had one of the toughest schedules in the National Football League. That was one of the hardest schedules in 2008. And many experts, many naysayers felt like we would finish, best case scenario, third in the AFC North. Hey, Mac, 
just, I mean, and miss the playoffs. Listening to your the schedule you just read at the time, and just you know, kind of relapsing and going back. I think probably Cleveland or Houston at the time, you know, there wasn't playoff caliber team. But remember, every the, the year before Cleveland was ten and six, though. right? Correct. But every other team was was playoff. Yeah, Philly, playoff. Philly, <clears throat> Baltimore, the Giants, the Colts, the Chargers, the Patriots, the Cowboys. And let me name some of the quarterbacks our defense had to face that were household names. Okay. Yeah, Donovan McNabb with Philly, who was still playing real good good football. You had an up and coming Joe Flacco, first rounder, yep. became a mainstay in the playoffs. Right. You had Eli Manning Who's the year before, line? just won the championship, yes. if I'm not mistaken. Yes. You had Phillip. I love to have kids, Rivers. Well, how many kids he got? I think he got about 14. Well, that boy fertile. Extremely fertile. <laughs> fertile. But, but you want to talk about an underrated quarterback? Oh. And a competitor? Oh, he talks so much trash. Don't Rivers he? by far. Man, why he talks so much trash? I, I love it though. Cause you, you rarely see that coming from a quarterback. quarterback and you really can't touch quarterbacks like you want to touch a quarterback. Well, the Rivers ain't and, backing down from nobody. And that makes it even more annoying because you want to put hands on them, but I can't put hands on them because they protect quarterbacks. Correct. But he talks so much trash. Phillip Rivers playing real good football. Yep. Then, oh, we had the sheriff. Omaha. Peyton. Was he? <laughs> How long he was in this prime for? For like 10 years? I mean, no, he probably was at <laughs> six or seven, right? He just was in his prime from day one. Yeah. Tony Romo, that was a, they were a playoff team the year yeah, before. Sure was, and quiet as kept. Kerry Collins was playing real good football then too. And Coach LeBeau warned us about Kerry Collins. Yes, he so did. He said, "Don't sleep on this quarterback." And they gave us hell. Too. Sure did. Not to mention, at home. And you remember who they had in the backfield? Fresh legs. Who they had? Huh. CJ. Oh, Chris Johnson. Lord. A young CJ. A young CJ. And we yeah, fresh CJ. Running four, 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 four twos easily Is in pass. Did he run for 2K that year? I don't know if he ran for 2K, but he, he, he woke up a lot of defensive coordinators and defensive units that year. All you saw was dreads and cleats. Hey, no disrespect to CJ, but psh, we had a lot of business against you, CJ. No disrespect. Now, to I, don't, I think he might have got off on us that game. I, you sure? Yeah, they put up 31 <laughs> points. On the, you sure though? I don't know if he got off, but they put up 31 points. But, that was a schedule, and I and I can remember before I was at home here in South Florida, and the schedule came out. Some of my homeboys hit me up, boy, y'all ain't gonna make the playoffs. Y'all not gonna make the playoffs. Hey, then we had also had Jacksonville on the list. Sure. David Garrard still playing at a high hey, level, yo, and we had to travel to Jacksonville with Marcus Stroud, Big John Henderson. You remember? Might get your jaw broke. Might get your wig split. That's what you play hey. at in Jacksonville Stadium. And they were that all black at night. Hey, that Duval County. <laughs> that, that Duval County was Poor Will, nice. Willie Parker, man. They, oh, Lord. He didn't stand a chance. I'm so glad I played defense. Oh, what you talking about? And not to me. Oh, Fred Taylor. Fred T, MJD. Oh, oh man. Uh, LeBron Tofield. I think MJD hurt my, my, my chest plate one time. <laughs> he was in cover two. <laughs> I, I thought I was a physical corner. And he didn't see me. They threw a flare route to MJD Maurice Jones Drew. And I came in there and tried to lay the land on him. And boy, you know, he's short. Short and thick. So I couldn't get underneath him. Okay. So he ended up putting his helmet in my chest. <laughs> I got to the hole. I, I couldn't breathe. Hey, Mac, I told MJD, I said, MJ, man, you probably one of the hardest dudes to bring down. I remember you called a swing pass in Pittsburgh. And I was like, ooh, I'm about to light this little butt up. 
And I said, you turned around and we called eye contact and you took one step and he did the same thing he did to you, to me. But for me, I slid off of him like he had Vaseline. <laughs> like he had Vaseline. He kept going? Oh, when I hit the dude, man, <coughs> my body and mind said, this ain't for you. Yeah. Man, what no. we doing? Yeah. You have to make business decisions. You sometimes. got to. Unfortunately. Yes. And yeah, but that, that backfield tandem with, uh, Fred oh, yeah. PC Taylor. I call him PC because he's, he's the people's champ. Greg was over there too, huh? Greg oh, Jones. Yeah. Man. Yeah. And they whole team had dreads. Everybody had dreads. All you saw was dreads and, and, and black on black just bouncing. Like I say, Mac, I'm so glad we played defense. Yeah. Rasheed Mathis. Did he not have Big Ben's number every year? He went to the Pro Bowl. Pick six. He, he was going to get at least two picks and one was going to go to the house against us every year. Book it. it all the time. Our out route, he used to take it to the house every year. Yep. Man, that, 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 so that was the schedule going back in time. 2008, one of the toughest schedules. People count, you know, talking bad about the Steelers. Of course, we lost in the playoffs. People feeling like we were finished at least third in our division. Think about that. The AFC North, they picked three, uh, two teams to finish above us. Best case scenario for us. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. But for us as players, we knew what the steal away was. We knew what the standard was. And leading into that 2008 season, first game of the season, right. in Heinz Field, 1 p.m. kickoff, the Houston Texans come to town. A team that came with big time aspirations. Right. Uh, pretty talented roster up and coming trying to find their way, but it was totally different for us. You know, we were what? pissed off. Right. We, we looked at that schedule as players. Mm-hmm. We looked at that schedule, Mac, and we embraced it. We embraced right. it. We already knew we was going, our back was going to be against the wall. The world was going to doubt us when it came down to looking at that schedule. But we knew what we had in that locker room and you felt and you smelt it in practice. You know how, you yeah. know how intense our practices used to be, man? <clears throat> Boy, we said we had to spat up. Like our practices used to be like games because we felt like it was us mm-hmm. against everybody. Before that, before that saying even came out, Mac, yeah. we already felt like that, like yeah. us against everybody. And you know, one thing I love about the team and, you know, I picked up from the older guys watching how you guys handle your day to day business. You look for a way to be, you look for something to piss you off, to use as motivation. Anything. I mean, it could be something simple. Cause you remember the ultimate alpha dog in doing that was Joey Porter. You know, so it was like a domino effect. And I know for Ike, watching Ike, I used to think Ike was crazy cause I'm like, nobody's trying to be confrontational with you, but you're <laughs> looking for a beef. You're looking for somebody to say the wrong thing. Or not even push you on the football field. It could be a wide receiver going back to the huddle, minding his business, happen to touch Ike's shoulder pad. <laughs> oh, you pushing me out there? What's, what's up? What's up? Oh, I'm okay. Okay, you want to take it there? Some, what you talking about, bro? I'm walking back to the huddle. Hey, anything that motivates you, man. Like I had to play pissed off. Like that's that's the only that's the only way. Like and, and Coach Tomlin had another saying. I'd rather say woe than sickle. Yeah. 
Yeah, and and that's the good thing about Mike Tomlin, something I forgot to hit on leading up to the 2008 season. Mike Tomlin was so creative, creative in coming up with models Man. or sayings. If, if this dude, if he want to be a rapper, he can be a rapper. Oh, no question. His wordplay is on oh, point. His, his wordplay word is on point. For us in Latrobe, it's about find, doing whatever it takes to hoist the sticky Lombardi. Right. And for us, he kept emphasizing sticky, sticky. Sticky. Why? Now, we already won a championship, but that didn't really register right. to us. And then he explained what that meant to him. Because fans watching us, listening to us right now, when you look at championship teams, when they're on the podium or they're on the field, they win the championship, they're passing around the Lombardi. By the time it gets to me, it's you see sticky. so many handprints. It's sticky, baby. People kissing <laughs> the Lombardi. People sweating on the Lombardi. Sticky. It's sticky. It's sticky, baby. So it made sense to us after he explained, like, yeah. He painted that Put your head in the pile. You. Find a way to hoist a sticky Lombardi. Another one was, picture. are you thriving or surviving? Right. Training camp. Yep. That was huge. Made a lot of sense. Yep. Because you're tired mentally and physically. Are you thriving or surviving? Correct. He said good teams yep. thrive. Yep. By any that, means necessary. You survive. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, like you said, uh, um, yeah, he, he'd rather say, woe sick him, you know. Talk about that, what that meant to you. Because you were a guy that was directed to, personally, in my opinion. Woe to sickle meaning I'd rather tell a guy to stop than try to push a guy and try to hit that green button. Mm -hmm. like, when you – and we call it having a dog, like being a dog. Yeah. Being a dog meaning – and I hate to say it like this, but as a football player, waking up pissed off. You know what I'm saying? Like you just get up out the bed pissed off. You go into the weight room pissed off. Mm -hmm. You go into the field pissed off. Like, it could be a beautiful day outside. It could be 78 and sunny. You just pissed off. But as a football player, you got to be aggressive and p pissed off. You can't be passive nah. as a football player. So that's what Coach Tomlin get that. I'd rather say, whoa, the second. second. He would rather say stop than try to give you. Than tell you push. to go ahead. Like, Correct. Yeah. Correct. And it made a lot of sense. And going back now, if you look at. The personality and the identity of our team. Right. That's the type of personality we had. Regardless if you were a starter or a role player, we, we throwing the first blow. Right. Quick. We're not waiting. Uh -huh. We're not waiting. And the first blow for us was at home <clears throat> against the Houston Texans. And the thing that I love about our team, you know, we were a relaxed bunch, but we had a lot of leeway, you know, and I would tell you, I was a team DJ as far as pregame music. Yep. And when you uh, came well, into Heinz Field, well, well, that locker room. Oh. What we used to do in the locker room, before we went on the football field, we doing push-ups. We doing band curls. Ike doing about a thousand abs. He did abs all the time. He did. Let me tell you what <laughs> we did. Mac was a DJ, right? So Mac had the mute. You talking about Coach Time and Wordplay? Oh, man. Mac DJ list? Fire. It's unbelievable. Oh. But you had guys doing push-ups. You had guys like myself doing sit-ups. You had guys doing armband curls. Armband. We, you had guys putting Vaseline, not lotion. Vaseline. But Vaseline. We want to be glossy. You want to be glossy because when the, when the camera hits you. Yes, yes. You wanted your family members and your friends to see how strong. You look. All your muscles. If you have tattoos. <laughs> you wanted all that to show. Yes. At the time. That locker room was something special. That locker room used to be bouncing. Yep. We couldn't wait to get out there. <laughs> I mean, Ike listened to everything from New Orleans, Juve, Wayne. <laughs> I mean, you got so many 
players just taking their mind to a whole nother land. Level. Yeah. Atmosphere was totally different. And we played with that because we were pissed off. The, uh, the biggest motivation we had was the strength of schedule, which was, which was second, the second hardest schedule in the league. And so many people counted us out. So week one, Houston Texans, they come to town at big time playoff aspirations, 38-17. That was a tone setter for us, I right. think, because defensively, we dominated from start to finish. Offensively, Willie Parker went off, went, went, went ham. Yeah, went he off. had a big time game against the Texans. Yep. Uh, and also looking at my notes, Willie Parker, that game first, uh, he was, I think he was the AFC offensive player of the week. Yeah. Uh, against the uh, against the Houston Texans, and he really had a big time effort, and that set up a prime time matchup week two right. against the Cleveland Browns. Right, because the Cleveland just came off of ten and six. Right, right. They were ten Who was and six. The quarterback, because Derek was Anderson. Football. Yeah, he Derek was Anderson. Football. Braylon Edwards. Oh, sure. Yep. Yeah. The year before, Cleveland was ten and six. Yeah. Think about that, Cleveland. You actually won double digit ball games for us. Travel to Cleveland Sunday night football. The low, low scoring affair, 10-6, but we found a way. We found a way. Headed. We like those games. Oh, we love those games. Defensive like, players. Yeah, we, we like that game. Like that. Yeah, we, we, we don't like these high scores, 38-17. <laughs> we need that 17-14, yeah. 10-6. We love those kinds. And tell, tell, tell the listeners, the fans, for us defensively with our mentality, if our offense give us 17, 16 points, we win. <laughs> what? What, what was our mentality? Let, let the, let the public know. People that have never been in our locker room, probably would never be in our locker room. What was our mentality from the defensive side? We felt bad on Monday if a team scored more than 17 points on our defense. We felt like we, 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 we felt like we let everybody, not just, not just the locker room. But still a nation down. Yes. If you score more than 17 points, more, 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 it had to be 17 or less. If you scored 17 or more, we was Monday mornings with Coach LeBeau wasn't going to be good. Nah, the standard was the standard. At all. Like Mike T, you say, another theme. The standard Correct. is the standard. Correct. So iron sharpens iron. Another theme from Mike Thomas. We was just asking for a few field goals in the touchdown. That's it. That's it. Give us and don't trick it off as far as turnovers. Correct. Don't put us in bad situations. Correct. But that was our defensive mentality. You give us 17 points, book it. All day. Book it. All day. That week, two matchup, like I said, it was a low scoring affair against the Cleveland Browns, 10-6. Right. Defensively, uh, we were lights out. We were lights out against the Cleveland Browns. Derek Anderson, uh, didn't stand a chance. Uh, their, their offense couldn't make enough plays. Our offense made just, just enough. And like I said, we love those type of ball games. Right, yeah. Ugly matchups. Yeah. The ugly matchups because you really show your worth. Then week three, we traveled to Philly. So they had Donovan McNabb, Westbrook. Who? Uh, Westbrook? Westbrook. And he was shady before shady. Mm. Was he not? No question. No question. Hey, no disrespect. And they, and they screen game at the time. Ooh. They had big runyon. At one of the offensive line, boy, he pushed me in my back one time so hard during that game, man. <laughs> man, I thought my whole sternum was gone. That was illegal. They, and that defense. Remember Jim Johnson, the great late Jim Johnson was a defensive coordinator. That's the game, Ike, they had nine sacks against us. I think Big Ben got knocked out of the ball game also, too. He was forced into action. Yeah, Big Ben hand got stepped on. But they beat us up. They beat us 15 to 6, forced three turnovers. 15 to what? 
15 to 6. How many points they had? 15. All right. So the last game, the Cleveland game, how many points Cleveland had? Six. Okay. So the first game, Houston had 17. Okay. So the first three ball games, we allowed 17, 6, and 15. Right. Okay. But the Philadelphia Eagles, their defense made no. They had a good more defense. more plays than we did. Like right. I said, they had around nine sacks. They forced three turnovers. Our offense was only able to muster 180 yards total. And total. Excuse me. Total. That that Philadelphia Eagles defense was legit, and you know who they had commanding the secondary. B. Dope. Wolverine. Brian Dope. He used to roll out of the tunnel. When they did their intro, the introduction for the players defensively, he was a guy I wanted to watch because oh, yeah. he would roll out like he's a cartoon character. He'd get in mode and he just jump. Between him and Ray Lewis, their intro games was tough. Yeah. Was tough. Yeah. I agree. I think we knocked Donovan out of the game, but I know Kevin Cobb came into the game. Kevin Cobb? Oh. He, yeah, because yeah, Kevin Cobb came into the game. He threw three passes. But so McNabb played. One pick, Troy made a pick. What, Troy picked him off off of three attempts? Yeah, he only had three attempts. And Troy picked him off? Yeah. It was off a of PBU from yours truly. Yeah, he, from, from B-Mac. Yeah. Hey. I was Tito, you know, we, you know, Troy's like Michael Jackson. Michael, he gets all the praise. We the Jackson Five. Yeah. Like, that's, we, we understood yeah, that, like. Yeah, he's, he's yeah, we, Mike. we just, like, you know how we say about it. Troy must be talking to Jesus, man. Every time. Boy, Troy was living right, wasn't it? Yeah, it still is. <laughs> I hope. <laughs> What are you doing to sideline? Come to this. Like, Troy, whatever you talking to God about, man, tell, tell him, do me a favor too, bro. Throw me a bowl. Yeah, throw me a bowl, please. Because- Every time. No, tell, tell, tell the fans what Troy would do. He'll come to you. Hey, I, what did you get on that route? Oh. Then he'll ask every other member of the second day. Hey, be back. <laughs> what route did you get? And he don't ask me that. You tell him and he walk away. So listen. <laughs> If Troy felt like he was going to make a play later on in the game, he'll ask one of us, like, what we saw. Like, what was the formation or what did you see? And, you know, Troy got a very, very soft voice. Like, Yeah, that's why we call him Mike Jackson. Yeah, so, so I, where did you see on that route? Troy, I think he gave me a dig on that route in his formation. Okay. That's all he wanted to know. That's it. Because... He go put that in his memory, <laughs> and if he saw that formation again, again, particularly at the same time, a third down or a second and long, he was jumping that route, oh. regardless on oh. regardless on what the coverage was. He was jumping that route. He was making that play. He was making a play. And, and for me, I forgot that I told him what route I got, and it's like, where he came from? That's why he going to the Hall of Fame, and we're going to get our invites. No question, we're going to get our invites. <laughs> Maybe Jesus. <laughs> Maybe Jesus. So, Troy, of course, uh, that was week three, traveled to Philly, lost that ball game. Week four was a pivotal point for us in the month of September because guess what we got coming to town? Who we got? Baltimore Ravens. Oh, Lord. At home. 8.40 kickoff, primetime affair. That game went into overtime. We found a way to prevail and come away with a big time victory, 23 to 20. That was a very, very tough ball game because when you talk about Baltimore and the Pittsburgh Steelers, you don't expect to see a lot of scoring. You don't expect to see an entertaining game. And that's a lot. And a lot, that is a lot. Yeah. I mean, 43 points total. Clearly, I don't know what the over under was, but right. I'm willing to bet that was the over. But those ball games for us was 
extremely difficult because we felt like we were playing ourselves just uh, a little bit. And I, I don't hate. You just don't, don't like. We don't like them. We don't hate. No, I don't but, hate, but yeah, we don't like them. No, no, no. I don't hate at all. But Mac, I hated the Baltimore Ravens mm-hmm. with a pet. I hated the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, we all did. A passion. Now, I love everybody. Like now, after the game, cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we cool. We cool during the game. But during the game, it. If you had that purple and black on, yeah, we didn't like you. I hated you, Mac. Yeah. I hate. I don't know what the OGs and the veterans instilled in. I think they brainwashed us. They did. But I hated the Ravens with a passion, with a passion, mm-hmm. bro. Like the hair just sticks up off my arm when I talk about. Like that. right now, you know, you feel some type of way uh, to this day. Uh, yeah, right for real. Like, I love saying I hate them. Yeah. Yeah, it's personal. That's just how it was. It's personal, and I think for us, we knew what it meant. We knew that was a team that either could prevent us from reaching our goal and coming into that ball game knowing we just lost the week before, could not afford to go back to have back-to-back losses. That primetime game, I don't know if you remember, we wore our throwbacks, the good throwbacks, not the right. bumblebee joints. Right. You know, we wore the black jerseys with the white pants. So our swag was at an all-time high. It was just a physical game. Let the the listeners and, and and the viewers know, Ike, the week of Baltimore, how different that is from any other week as far as imposing teams. Yes. See, what you got to understand, just looking at it from a, a GM perspective, you always draft to win your division. Yep. Mm-hmm. So when you look at Baltimore, you're looking at Pittsburgh at the time. In the mirror, because mm-hmm. Ozzy, a heck of a GM, a heck, he just retired, I think. Mm-hmm. Ozzy was a heck of a GM for Baltimore. You could go down the line with all the Hall of Famers he drafted. Yeah, all the Hall of Famers. Start with Ray Lewis. Start with Ray Lewis. Jonathan Ogden. Jonathan Ogden. Ed Reed. Uh, Jamal Lewis. Oh, Lewis. Oh, you could just go down the line with guys he drafted. Uh, Chris McAllister. Remember Chris McCall? Chris McCall. You could go down the line, but it, it's no disrespect to to the Ravens organization. You just was born as a Pittsburgh Steeler to hate them. Yeah, we don't Cause, like because they were that good. Also, yeah, I mean that was the reason why. For me, I don't know if Ike, you got in fantasy football, but I've been playing fantasy football the last few years. I don't draft a Raven. I can't at all. I don't want to root for a Raven. No, I at don't. all. And Steeler fans feel the same way we feel. Yeah. For real, diehard fans. Yeah. Ravens, nah, we don't like them. Like right now, it's off season. We don't like them. That's just it's a it's a mutual understanding that we hate each other. Mm-hmm. Point blank, period. That's just how it is. Yeah, and that was a prime time game for us. Night ball game. Uh, At night, emotions extremely high, <laughs> knowing we could not, we did not want to have back to back losses for for us. Looking back at that game, you know, key. Moments in that game, we scored two touchdowns within 15 seconds. Ike, that was fast. Heinz Ward had a big time touchdown reception. James Harrison had a sack, forced fumble. Right. Woodley, Lamar Woodley, was able to pick that up and that score. That was a young Woodley too. That, oh, even that Woodley. So we had James Harrison and a young Lamar Woodley. Mm. All right, <laughs> those two guys, boy, used to make our job easy. In the back end in the second day. So like I said, that's a tough ball game, like viewers, listeners, twenty three 
to 20. High scoring game. High scoring game. Pulley did not reach our benchmark. Game went into overtime. Offense came through, prevailed. Big Ben. The thing I love about Big Ben against Baltimore back then, he seemed to find he had a knack for making that big play at the right time. At the right time. He'll scramble around in the pocket. Find an open wide receiver. Yep. Heath Miller, Heath Dang. was huge, right? Heath used to come up big time. Well, y- y'all know about Heath and Florida State. Florida State, he was oh, with Virginia, man. right? Man. So yeah. I didn't really know about him till y'all start telling me like, "Oh yeah, this dude here's a quiet." Oh, didn't say nothing. Quiet assassin. Never would say anything. Even in practice, Heath would never wouldn't say too much of anything. But he worked hard. Uh, came in, was consistent, and. That was a big time game for us because we were able to improve to three and one, and we had another tough, tough outing the week after Baltimore. We got to travel down to Jacksonville. Oh lord! <laughs> another prime, but we were prime time every every week. Eight twenty three kickoff. What was Coach T. Other saying about prime time? Oh, five star matchup. It's a it, yeah. It's a five star matchup because we in it. We in it. Not because who we playing. We it's a five-star matchup because, because we we're in it. Nope. And we we love that. Well, his wordplay was something. His wordplay was, he used to get you fired up. You run through a wall right now. <laughs> his wordplay was yeah. special. And, and, and I'm talking about the first five games of the season, three of them were prime time, national, televised. Five-star matchup. Because we in it. Because we in it. It's not about who we playing. It's about the Pittsburgh Steelers. You could tell, uh, you could tell us it wasn't true. When we traveled to opposing cities, we knew what was up. We walked in like, we, you came to see us. That's how we felt. We walked into your house and said, you came in to see me. That's very disrespectful. I mean, it felt, it felt like we were like the biggest entertainer we at was, the time. It was, man. And it was like, we come to your city to sell out your stadium because of us. The reason why your stadium is packed because yeah. we there. Yeah. And that Jacksonville game, this was a personal matchup. Because they started to get that image similar to like Baltimore. Correct. Without the history. Right? Because they beat us the year before. Right. To, every time we played them was a very tough ball game and they were physical and they were trying to steal our identity. Correct. So we wanted to get, get back, number one, but also two, we wanted to continue to create separation and let Jacksonville know you're not even a little brother. We're not even family. You know, we consider the Ravens to be a little brother. Yeah. Right? Right. But Jacksonville, y'all not even in a family tree. We're not even kids. At all. At, At all. all. You just a neighbor that lives all the way down the street that we bypass you here or there. supposed to be in our neighborhood. Granted, yes, we live in a gated community. You're not here. <laughs> I <laughs> not with us. Different so, totally. So this is a personal matchup. Right. I know Big Ben had a big-time ball game for us. Uh, our offense, we had over 400 yards. Big Ben threw for 286. And that was also a victory for us. 26-21 uh, on the road, Jacksonville, we finished the month of September. Basically, of course, that game was the first game in October. But the first five ball games of the season, we were 4-1. 4-1 and one. Four and one set up for a big-time bye week. And also, too, Mike Tomlin wanted to emphasize going into the bye week right. with momentum. Right. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Going into the bye week with momentum. It's a five-star matchup because we're in it. And he also used to emphasize and tell us, big-time ball games, I need my five-star players to show up. Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah. And when he meant by five-star players, as far as Pro Bowls, as far as paychecks, these are the games where you take over. Correct. And you show your worth. Correct. We can only coach so much. Yeah. I need my five-star players who instinctively make plays mm-hmm. 
to make a play a time or two in big games. Yeah. Big Ben had his best performance uh of the season to date in that uh 26-21 victory. 303 yards, Ooh. three touchdowns, one interceptions. Mawelde, the creeper, stepped up big time. You know what? Mawelde had 99 yards rushing, rushing in absence of Parker and Mendehall. Hey, Mawelde, so, he was another solid pickup. Yeah, the creeper. Because he came out the backfield catching the ball also too, Mac. He was the best pass catching back we had on our team. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Hands down. He was the best pass hands catching down. back. And hands down. He was a great third down option. Uh And like I said, he really embraced, he accepted his role. And you know what? He seen, he used to be a bit annoying to be around <laughs> off the football field, but then we saw how hard he worked. Uh, that mother worked hard. And that created a re- relationship Correct. away from the field. Correct. Because for us, you know, anytime we got a new player, it was like, we got to see. We got to see. Yep. We got to see. You, are you, are you, you're a guy that work or you just want to be a tag along? Correct. You know, we don't want to give out bus tickets. You got to earn a bus ticket. Correct. For us. So. And he earned his keep, especially that week leading to the bye week was huge for us because week six, uh, we're off. And also to another saying that Mike Tomlin had was that during the bye week was don't be the guy. And don't be the guy. What's the meaning of that? Don't, don't be the guy. I mean, don't get yourself fired. So, and Coach T used to say this in the off season, which, which I respect the heck out of Coach T. He'd be like, Hey, if I got some money invested to Ike or B-Mac and they wind up going outside or going outside of football and getting in trouble, I got money invested in them. So they get a pass. But if you're a free agent or a low-round draft pick, yeah. you don't get that pass. So if you get in trouble other than being in this facility, don't come back. Yeah, You fired. You fired. So Coach T used to always have that saying, don't be the Don't guy. Don't be the guy, but he emphasized that saying in the offseason. <laughs> and also too, Mike Tomlin would be real with us as players. You're not, every player will not get treated the same. Oh. And that's what you had to respect about Coach T. Like, he was just keeping it with you. And as a football player, professional football player, you just wanted to be talked to as a man. Mm-hmm. And that's what Coach T, he laid it out. Even though you might not like it, he laid it out on the line yep. for you. This is what the front office is thinking. This is what the coaching staff is thinking. This is what I'm thinking. I'm telling you in front of your teammates. Yeah. Yeah. He'll put so you on that, no proje- that projector. I don't even know if he's still using projectors anymore, but he right. put you up on that projector. Don't be the guy. And that was huge for us because we had downtime. We were a four and one. Everybody was feeling good about where we were currently. Right. The media was talking good about us. We're getting ready to go in our bye week. A lot of people travel t- right. to different destinations, and he wanted to to remember you still have more important business. Correct. And for him making that saying, coming off the bye week, we had Cincinnati. We had to travel to Cincinnati. But talking about don't be the guy. What happened? Coming off the bye week, it was a tough game for us, but we found a way to win. But Santonio Holmes was inactive. God, dog, why? They found a small, a small amount of marijuana in his car. And that's what Mike Tomlin used, that's what he was saying when he stated, do not be the guy. Come on, 10. 10. We should call him 10. Where is 10? Oh, I'm sorry. That was for the Giants game. That's for not, that, that, that's later on. I, I jumped the gun on that, but that kind of talks about not being the guy. Yeah. The Giants game was the following week. The following week. I'm sorry. Yeah. You know, uh, Tim was a little bit different <laughs> in, in every aspect. 
like, as far as like, okay, let's talk about his football first. Oh, boy. As far as like, he had very deceptive speed. Mm-hmm. Meaning he was faster than what you thought he was because it looked like he was running slow. He was strong as an ox. Meaning, you can try to lollygag or tack, tackle him if you want to. He was breaking, he was breaking that tackle and tackle. He, he was the first. Okay, I'll say this. I'll, I'll say this, Matt. He was the first backside receiver that took slants to the house. house. Yeah. Ask Jacksonville. That I saw. Ask, ask Jacksonville. Consistently. So uh-huh. backside meaning you're on the left side of the offense and that's the Weak side of the defense. So you're playing the X, the X receiver. Mm -hmm. You're playing the X receiver. All you had to do was give 10. Little space. San Antonio Holmes a slant. Yeah. He'll take it to the house. Cause he was, he was just that strong, man. The boy had good balance. Like, and you know receivers are divas. That's just, your good receivers, all of them divas. Prima donnas. No yeah, question. You just go down the line with your diva receivers. Yeah. That's because they always feel like they can make a play, so they always want the ball. That's why you got to respect them. You got to respect them. And talking about San Antonio, of course, coming off that bye week, we traveled to Cincinnati. We just took care of our business against Cincinnati, 38 to 10. I think Ryan Fitzpatrick was their quarterback. He didn't stand a chance. At all. He didn't stand a chance at, at all for us. For uh, we dominated, of course, defensively, only allowing 10 points. That was a huge game because that was a divisional game. Correct. And Cincinnati still was pissed off, you know, oh. the, the whole Carson Palmer. They never oh, got really? that. You know, 2005, 2006 playoffs. Hey, hold on. <laughs> they still hate us for that. Right. Was that your rookie year? That's my rookie year. So listen, since B-Mac is hosting this show, that was a B-Mac rookie year, right? 2005, going back. 2005. We're going back to 2005. <clears throat> So we go to Cincinnati to play Cincinnati because Cincinnati was one of the top offenses. Yeah. It was Cincinnati, Seattle, Colts. Colts and Denver. And Denver. We started off with Cincinnati. We played all of them in the playoffs. And won that Super Bowl. But we, I, well, I'm getting back to B-Mac. So B-Mac rookie year, right? It was live in Cincinnati. Oh. I'm talking about we talking the defense, talking smack, and no disrespect to Coach Marv. To Coach Marv and that whole sideline. Whole side. Doing the TV break. Yeah, cause. Doing the, doing the TV break. And that's when Carson. <laughs> went down. Farmer got hurt. Yeah, the ACL. People don't know the guy who hurt him is a good guy. He Kimo. Went, What's that, brother? Brother. Oh, don't want hurt. No, Kimo no. felt bad. Yes. About what he was he distrut. Did. Yeah, he was so, distrut. So Kimo, that hurt Kimo. But at the same time, getting back to Mac, Mac, Wanted to get on the field oh, so man. bad. He was damn near crying. Oh, cry. On the <laughs> sideline <laughs> to get on the field. Cause that's all that energy. Man, the atmosphere went from our team was getting ready to show sympathy because you don't want to see an opposing player go down like that at from all. an accident at all. Right. But then the fans and their players turned it from being a, a, a sympathetic, mo- Mode at the time to, he did that on purpose. Well, if that's how y'all feel, we're going to give it to you. Joey talking and cursing, foot talking and cursing, pot dog James Ferrier talking, Ike talking, just, Ike ready to just take it to street mode and fight everybody, the fans. Listen. There's so many F-bombs being thrown. I'm on the sideline. I'm like, please, Coach Lavoe, can you please call Nickel? 
B-Mac is on the sideline. Damn, they're crying. I won't get out there. I want to fight. I just want to be a part of it. The atmosphere, the tension was so thick. He just wanted to be a hey, part of that moment. The best example I can give you guys, we all watch wrestling at some time in our life. And you know when it's a tag team matchup and you got the guy on the outside, he looking at <laughs> Tag me in. Tag me in. That's you. That's how I felt. All day. Man, I seen these boys, man. That's when I knew I'm really, I'm, I'm riding with some for real go getters. I was a rookie coming from Florida State, played against a lot of talented players, big yes. time games. Yes. But that game, when I seen these boys come together and was like, if we wrong, we all still fighting. Oh yeah, we are. Wrong or right, we, we fight for one another. Wrong or right, it don't matter. Who we playing? And that was personal. Yeah, it was. it was personal, and that's the type of brotherhood we had on both sides of football. Correct. And when I saw that intensity level, that meter went up, <laughs> scream extremely high. It was like that's when we knew we won the Super Bowl. I said, "What? What the heck? Be back about the cry for?" I just cried because he wanted to get in the game. That fire. Back said he wanted to get in the game. I was like, "Oh, Lord, we fire. gotta get him in the game." It, Hey, Dickie, we gotta get LeBeau hit, hit us with that nickel. nickel. Man, I sprinted. <laughs> well, that was the fastest 40 I ran out there. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go eat. Man, that, that's, that, that, that's, man, that, that, that's why we were a great unit throughout those years because hey, brother, that's how we played, man. If Ike was wrong, I don't care. We fighting for Ike. Yeah. Then we'll talk about it later. We'll vent, we'll vent at Pot Dog House. Y'all tell me, y'all tell me I was wrong. Ike, you like, Ike, Ike, you was Stop doing wrong, this, man. man. Yeah, but we, it was the brotherhood. It's the brotherhood. And so going back to 2008, Cincinnati, same place on the road, took care of our business, uh, 38-10, easy money for us. Easy. Now we're five and one. We're five and one. Uh, that's Cincinnati game. I think that's when I broke my forearm too. Oh, you did? Yeah, that's when I got that plate in my forearm. So I missed a few you weeks. You try to give somebody a flipper. You know who did it? Ooh. Freaking Cedric Benson. From Texas? Yes. Lord. Cedric Benson, I'm in there, man. We playing soft squat. I had to come contain. I had a free lane at him. And I said, like, this is what I thought. I said, listen, Mac, Mac if I slow down, he's going to try to run me over. Right. So if I shoot my gun, I might go to sleep, <laughs> which is concuss. Right. But at least I get him down. Because right. that play, Troy went to sleep. Troy had a concussion. So what I did was I shot my gun, and he sidestepped me, and I put my arm out to try to get a piece of him. And that's when he kicked it and broke it. And then that's when Troy went, whoop. You know, Troy, Troy went to sleep. <laughs> he had to go get that prom, that prom escort. <laughs> hey, we talk, you, hey, we had that prom escort. What you order for McDonald's? Man, listen, you don't want that prom escort, man. And for us, prom escort, steal a terminology is something that we talked about when someone is a bit dazed. Right. And back in that time, before they kind of changed the medical standpoint as far as right. concussions and, right. They're much, they're much more magnified now than it was then. You know, most players are trying to find a way to shake it off. All day. But the problem escort, when, when the trainer come get you and he escort you to the sideline. That was the problem. And you walking that slow, that slow walk. You, you taking that prom picture. What how is the trainer look like? Huh? I asked. Oh, <laughs> when he got man. the escort. Oh, he got the escort. <laughs> when Ray, when Ray knocked his beanie loose. <laughs> we were like, Hines, fix your hat. Hines. Ray Lewis got a hold of Hines. What's up? And man, bow. Hines was half sleep. The helmet came off. We was on the big screen. We sit on the bitch. Look, look at that big screen. He's like, man, nobody gonna fix Hines' little beanie. We knew that was the end for Hines. Like, yeah. Yeah, he not coming back. He's sleep. Yeah, I'm talking about for the career. Yeah. Like, I don't think he yeah. Out yeah. He's sleep. Because he, he had a lot of bodies, though. Oh, boy. His body count was long. Extremely long. And Troy had a lot of bodies, too. But Troy went to sleep <laughs> oh, a whole lot. 
Oh, yeah, it took some night quill. Yeah, uh, night quill. How you go to sleep when you're not sleepy? Yeah. That's the thing. But, yeah, Cincinnati would take care of business. And now we're getting ready to play the Super Bowl champions. Eli Manning, nationally televised game, once again, 415 in Pittsburgh. The New York football giants come to town. And we talked about don't be the guy. That's the game. They that's had him. Jacobs at the running back? And who else? Amar Bradshaw? Bradshaw. Amani Toomer. Uh, Amar Bradshaw, Eli um, Steve Smith from Smith. Southern California Correct. at the time. But that's the game right there. We talked about the theme, don't be the guy. Mike Tomlin used to emphasize right. that is the game Santonio Holmes was placed in active, and we needed him big time. Oh, yeah, we sure did. Tone was a was our biggest playmaker on the offensive side. And on special teams, per return. Exactly. So <laughs> he was not able to participate. We lost that ball game, the New York football giants. We ended up having a record at that time. The first seven ball games were five and two. 21 to 14 was that ball game. Uh, their defense was lights out. It was only allowed 249 yards of total offense from our defense, uh, from our offense. And then defensively, we couldn't make enough plays. Gotcha. Could, couldn't make enough plays. And Eli Manning at that time in 2008. Yeah, he was, he was, he was that guy. He, and he's a rhythm quarterback. Mm hmm. And he was always on rhythm coming out that pocket. Yep. And I couldn't miss a beat. And yeah. You're right. You're right. They, they just made more plays on the defense than we did. And then you transition to the next week, another national televised game. It's a five star matchup. Cause we hit it. Because we in it. The Washington Redskins. We traveled to FedEx Field, uh, to play against the Washington Redskins at that time. And we were able to bounce back 23 to six. We dominated. From start to finish, to what? 23 to 6. Defensive effort was at an all-time high. Offensively, big. Uh, the offense clearly was clicking. A big-time bounce-back game. And that's the thing about elite teams, good teams, Super Bowl-caliber teams. You don't usually see two bad weeks of football. Right, you don't. You know, if you had a bad week the week before, you get back you to know. the the drawing board. You find a way to correct your wrongs. And that's what we were able to do. And then we, week 10, we got the sheriff. The sheriff is coming to town. That dude, yeah, bro. The sheriff, Peyton Manning. About a chess player. Well, Peyton was tough. He was all chess. Man, Manning threw three touchdowns, zero interceptions. Big Ben had three interceptions. And for us, we knew Ooh. because of the history we had playing against Peyton, you can't allow him to get in rhythm. Nah, you can't. And that for us was a tough, tough stretch because – when you look at the Super Bowl caliber teams and the Giants and the Colts, they had our number. Right. They had our number. So now we're at a uh, at a pivotal mo- moment. We're in November football, and like Mike Tom used to tell us, also November is where you can create separation from the pack. Correct. If you take care of your, your your business in the month of November, that sets you up nicely for a nice playoff run. Right. And for us now, we're six and three. We we, we lost the two Super Bowl quarterbacks and granted their brothers. They both had successful outings against us, so now we had a, a deciding moment into what type of team will we be in 2008. From here on out, each episode, listeners and viewers will be dedicated to a singular game leading up, leading all the way to Super Bowl 43. Now, we won't go play for play, but rather recall trends, biggest moments, storylines, and personalities leading us all the way to another outstanding Super Bowl season for the 2008 Pittsburgh Steelers season. Good work, man. Man, I appreciate you having joining us, Ike. I appreciate you. Great insight. 
just being able to inform a lot of our fans that may not get an opportunity to get some of the story locker room. Put them in the locker room. Put them in the locker room and get a chance to be a part of the Steeler, I guess, history as far as knowing the nicknames, knowing some things that happened that a lot of people don't know about as far as, you know, networks and, and uh, media experts. That's what you will get here throughout the entire, entire documentary leading up to the Super Bowl 43 victory 10 year reunion. 10 year reunion so fans make sure you stay in tune the first intro had to get my guy Ike Taylor appreciate that man joining us here it was an amazing amazing start to a historical year and we have much more to come the young in the near future B-Mac and I the young Picasso just trying to paint that picture for y'all to see how we lived a little bit in the NFL got more insight coming so make sure you stay tuned next time on the podcast We'll break down our Week 11 matchup versus the San Diego Chargers with Steelers great Heinz Ward. Subscribe to the season 2008 Steelers on iTunes and anywhere else podcasts are found. So you're up to date on our episodes that are released each Monday up until the Super Bowl. Until then, in the words of legend Dick LeBeau, adios. Adios.